Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week, I talk with my buddy Wayne and my buddy Josh. Now, Josh does the Science But Simple mini-series with me that some of you may know of, and Wayne is a returning guest. Um, he's a friend of mine who's a paleontologist and also an author, and he's been on the podcast, um, a f- it was a few episodes ago now, um, but they're both really great, definitely worth checking out. Now, I want to get Josh and Wayne both on at the same time. They're both very scientifically-minded people, Josh having a degree in marine biology and Wayne having one in paleontology, so I thought it'd be good to have them both on, just to have a chat about a few things. Now, although I haven't named it part one and part two, um, this one is actually is a two-parter, <laughs> contrary to that, um, and essentially this part is about superpowers and stuff, which sounds really odd, but we, we got talking about it and like how it would work in the real world and sort of the logistics behind why you'd want superpowers in this way or that way and that sort of thing. So we kind of get into superpowers, like what we'd be given if we were like a character in a show, some sort of ironic thing, um, and then also what we would choose if we could have anything. Um, so we get into that a little bit. We then get onto some more serious topics. We speak about the apocalypse, um, population control and hunting, um, including talking about human culling, utilitarianism, suicide, stem cells and abortion, antinatalism. So there's a lot going on. Um, so it's a really, really good episode. And in next week's episode, as I said at the start, which is also going to be with Wayne and Josh, um, we talk about religion and faith, uh, paleontology, and discuss our sort of favourite animals, sort of notable ones that are marine, land, and extinct. So, you know, make sure you listen to that one as well, especially if you're a fan of the paleontology episode I released with Wayne uh, a couple of months ago. Now, before the show gets started, just a quick shout out to Jerome of the Cloth Talk podcast. Um, he interviews people not dissimilarly to the way I do. Essentially, our shows have a similar vein of idea behind them um, of just talking to people who are interesting as their guests. So, you know, if you like the format of this podcast, be sure to go check out the Cloth Talk podcast. I'll be sure to put a link in the description, that sort of thing. Um, and the most recent episode, they spoke about the N word. Um, so, you know, recommend go listen to that if that's the sort of thing you're interested in, like certain taboo words, that sort of thing, and uh, obviously historical racism, all that sort of jazz. So, yeah, shout out to the Cloth Talk podcast. Go check those guys out. And just before getting started, a promo by the Dadcast Unknown podcast, and then straight onto the show. Thanks as always, guys, for tuning in, and I'll be back at the end. Hi, my name's Ian. And I'm Chris. And we host a podcast called Dadcast Unknown. Where every two weeks we talk about being a dad and being a nerd and sometimes being a nerdy dad at the same time. We'll talk about everything from movies to comics. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, uh, iTunes at Dadcast Unknown, uh, and also on any of your most popular podcatcher apps. Join us. Laugh with us. Make fun of us. Uh, As long as you're listening, we don't care. (laughs) That's a good way to end it. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. <laughs> hey, I get SpongeBob references too. SpongeBob's amazing. It's like, hey pal, you just born from Stupid Town? It would just have him laughing every single freaking time. It's like, now I'm the guy with the broom. It's just brilliant. Love it. Absolutely. Spongebob was just one of my... Spongebob and Fairly Odd Parents. They were both my go-to shows when Definitely. I was a kid. Definitely. Love that stuff. Also, when I was a bit younger, uh, Johnny Bravo, Dexter's Lab, yes. Powerpuff Didi, Girls. Get out of the laboratory. Didi, get out of the laboratory. I don't say anything like him, but still. 
Oh, mama. Du, 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 du. <laughs> yeah, Johnny Bravo was king. Ed, Ed and Eddie as well. Oh, the yes. Insanely large gob stoppers, which is amazing. That was such a good show. It's just you, Your sister's called Double D. There's a sex reference in there. Boom. It's brilliant. Yes, it's so good. Love. <laughs> Double D, Eddie and Ed. I loved Ed. I love chickens, I know. <laughs> Swing your pants style. <laughs> oh, God. I'd, I'm I have... so inbred, it's ridiculous, but... It's pretty funny, and it's when it's like um, when they break, they go into his house. I'm like, what are you doing, man? And he's like eating his whole bed. And it's like, what? What's going on? <laughs> it never gets brought up ever again. You're like, uh, what? It's a very strange but fantastic show. Yeah. Every, every character is so weird. Mm-hmm. Plank. <laughs> <laughs> just the just oh. you know that one episode where like... he went missing was something, and it ended up. It was a weird thing where he kind of was self-aware almost because it was like loads of weird stuff was happening, and they're like, oh, Johnny just keeps doing it. And then one time something happened. Johnny was like, hey guys. And <laughs> what's yeah. Plank doing it's like what? wait, that wasn't you it's like of course it's not me it's Plank it's like wait what and it's like yeah. so is Plank actually alive like, that's the important questions we have we have a paleontologist on the podcast and a marine biologist and we talk about Ed and Eddie yeah but anyway I've already started recording so you know no, slick you, slick. you do that yeah it was, it's the podcasting way now right it makes it less well I wouldn't say awkward necessarily but it's just a bit less you know cut through the let's everyone stop conversation so I can talk but as you have stopped the conversation now I can talk um <laughs> Another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. I'll have probably spoken about it in the intro. So here we are, Wayne and Josh. Um, <coughs> um, but I was, I did want to talk about animals and stuff because that's what we were talking about. But I'll, I'll come back to that because I actually want to talk about that superhero conversation we were having because I think that was hilarious. And that's where I kind of want to start. And we'll get onto the, uh, the, the, the animal sort of stuff in a bit. Um, but Josh, when we were like, um, say, chatting and stuff and I was setting up, um, you asked the question of, uh, oh, there you go. You can yeah. give it to you. So two kind of, um, I guess in a way they're kind of like, uh, questions that would feel quite benign, but I think they carry quite a lot of like, in terms of probing people about how they what they think about themselves as well as what they think they'd like to be almost mm. like in that way it's a fact of the the superpower that you think that you would have like as you are almost given yeah it's almost like if you're written in a story like anime is a good example if yeah. you're written into a story you have some sort of maybe even ironic sort of thing that's to do with your mm-hmm. personality your person you kind of you go for a weird radioactive incident and then you get this compared to mm-hmm. if you had absolute choice over anything what yeah. would you choose yeah and yeah. then the second question is the what you would ch- actively choose if you were like I don't know you were presented with a selection of superpowers at the beginning of something and like I want that one yeah yeah exactly um, well there we go um why don't you shoot us off with your also I was going to say as well trying to think we were trying to when we were talking about it I was trying to think of it in like like trying to be a bit realistic about it in like if today now we got this power what the implications would be like you know for example it, we could use if you could go invisible for example then you would have to be kind of low key about it because if anyone found out then eventually the army or the, the government rather would probably try and get a hold of you in some way because then they'd want to use the DNA, whatever, to find out if they can make the soldiers invisible, blah, 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 blah. So if you want to shoot off with your first, your one, then uh, if you want to do your, the one you'd be given as a character. Given as a character, I, actually, I'm going to change my mind from what I think I was uh, thinking earlier, because earlier I was thinking about how I'm much more of like a a thinking person. I'm like, well, I'm very slim. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I was thinking more about something like, not on the scale of like, x-men charles xavier but some sort of like mental thing right but retroactively i think i actually think about my nature in terms of what i like 
the like what I've done for my degree and all that sort of thing. I'd probably say water breathing. Okay. So maybe not like actively having gills, mm-hmm. but being able to still like breathe in water is a good one or create like a bubble indefinite holding your breath or something like that yeah you you could even have like a bubble that you somehow you could you exhale when you're underwater somehow a lot of oxygen in some way of like you've got this weird little bubble thing around your mouth Mm -hmm. so when you breathe in and out you're somehow getting enough oxygen sort of thing that'd be quite even then just being able to like oh look gills you grow gills there's a guy in um, x-men first class he's the, the one who's adaptive darwin yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, he yeah, thought he bought himself Darwin. Yeah, yeah. I actually felt that wouldn't even be a bad thing. Like, that that sort of thing. My prevalence for biology you. and general evolution, that would probably suit me quite well, to be honest. Yeah, well, just a pretense, because people may not... Uh, actually, I'd have, have said it in the intro, but just to reiterate, obviously, you're, you've got a degree in marine biology, mm-hmm. and Wayne's got a degree in paleontology, so they're kind of uh, similar vein to a degree. They're the they have similarities they in the fields. To some degree, biology-based. Yeah, yeah. It's about living beings, isn't it? It's not mm. like, you know, not, none of them are specifically or physics. no longer living beings. Science joke. Um, so you think that would be your one, then, the uh, the sort of breathing underwater slash adapting? Yeah, the, 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 the adaptives. I think, now that you've mentioned that, Darwin in X-Men First Class, the whole, like, just actual... I feel like I wouldn't take it to the point of where he can adapt to like very much anything, but yeah. in terms of natural like adaptations, like the growth of gills or be able to like make my skin scaly and waterproof or something like that, like that sort of thing, rather than like actually being able to like, you know almost turn yourself to stone to try and defend against something, but yeah. much more in terms of animalistic adaptation. Okay, that's cool. What about you, Wayne? What would uh, if it was given to you as a character? The first if it was given to me, it'd probably be like something like the Flash, so like super speed, because the one commodity that we don't have enough of is time. But you see through like the Flash series that like he goes back and like freaking. There's so many time paradoxes and all these different kinds of things, and and you've got like um, the butterfly effect, all this kind of stuff. So there's loads of stuff like hindering you, like going back in time and all this stuff. But if you have super speed you can vibrate your cells at the point where they can get to absolute zero. So mm. you could actually like prevent yourself from aging, even though probably like a, the first layer of molecules around you would just be like s- solid, you know, they'd yeah. just be in a fixed state of absolute zero, which obviously they wouldn't interact with anything. But, mm. you know, in a sense, you'd be distant from everything, but you'd get so much done. Yeah. Like everything that you'd normally take a whole day to do, you'd just be able to do it in like... 10 minutes yeah that's that's good because obviously um, one of the things as well is that you're you're obviously an author because you've been in the podcast before but you've just uh, you basically finalised your is it your fourth book now you've, third you've, I always get confused because you, you you were telling me details of a fourth book um, but you're in the you've got like 14 ideas or something you've yeah. got two published two that are in the pipeline one that's pretty close to being done and then another <laughs> another like 8 to 12 that are like in the air as well so yeah, yeah you having more time makes a lot of sense um, I, I think I think my one, my one would be one of two, which are basically very similar vein that I spoke, or both at once, why not? Um, which would be, because I'm very loud, obviously, uh, a lot of the time, especially in social situations, it would be the the, the scream that Banshee has in um, in X-Men, X-Men First Class. Um, you know, be able to scream really loud, everyone be able to hear it, whatever, and it'd be a powerful shockwave that could deafen people and stuff. But then also, uh, the other thing which I'd... Which would be it? Which be uh, the telep- uh, mental communication, like telepathy communication? So I could talk to anyone on the planet, and they could hear me, and I could hear them. Just kind of tune in to that sort of thing. Because there's that character in um, 
in fairy tale, isn't there, uh, Josh? A Warren. Warren, yeah, him. Yeah. Although no. he does have the. He can read people's reading, minds. He yeah, he can read people's minds yeah. and communicate. I don't think I'd have the, the mind reading thing. That'd be kind of cool, but, uh, you know, yeah. I, I can't. That's not an ironic thing in my power of, you know, it would be that be able to talk to anyone on the planet. So I think that'd be quite a cool one. Um, now the choose ones, which are, can be, are way more like, here's one that you're given. Yeah, you can do these sort of things. Then one's one you can choose. It's like, let's go overkill. Just ridiculous. Like, would you want to start us off, Josh, with your, uh, or when you choose, you anything at all? Ironically, now that I've um, changed my first one, that I think I would have. Mm. Uh, the second one actually kind of leads on from it quite well mm. in the fact that I'd probably go for something that would be complete free-form shape-shifting. Yeah. Like, I could just... It's like, I don't know. To keep what we said before, I want to um, I wanna go swimming. Let's grow some gills. Yeah. Or, uh, I don't know, uh, I'm kind of running late. I want to do something. Let's just become a bird and skip traffic because no one can be asked to do with that oh yeah that'd be, <laughs> if I could turn to like a bird or something that'd be the best like is it the the swift that's one of the fastest peregrine falcon the falcon okay I know the swift is one of the Very, fastest like the fastest you, yeah. bird in terms of that sort of thing yeah that'd be pretty cool because is is that kind of falcon uh, local in England it's yeah. you find it in England yeah, yeah. There's, there's a pair um, of them down Southampton docks oh are there actually yeah huh that's really nice Okay, see, so and you would obviously, when we were speaking about that whole um, the being able to shapeshift thing, you'd be, mm. would you be like, what was it that you said about the mantis shrimp, uh, Wayne? Yeah, like, it's, um, it was, it, it claps its claws together and it sends like a shock wave to basically um, it paralyzes its prey just through concussion, but the heat exchange of clapping its claws together is either equal to or greater than the temperature of the sun. Like in that split second, of it clapping, yeah, it's like the friction caused is like mm. an infinitely wow. Well, like the point where the little, the little pocket of water, there's like bubbles that appear, mm. and it's like there's no air being produced. It's just from the temperature there for the mantis swim, shrimp, mantis shrimp, it's rapidly boiling that mm. small pocket of water just in front of what they're doing, which is like a huge amount of expansion of that gas. Yeah, it's like. Boom. Yeah. yeah, I see. Oh, that's the, yeah, imagine having that as the human equivalent of that. You just yeah. do that. It'd be, like, it'd be like clapping and creating a concussion grenade. Just be like, wow, that's insane. That just clear a room. Man to shrimp, man. Or man to shrimp. Yeah, like, in, in, so I, I talked about something in terms of if you had, if you could do, like, almost a perfect copy of something, but you had to have, like, a, like almost like a genetic blueprint for it. Like, if you, bright, like, rubbed your finger on someone's toothbrush or something, mm. and... Uh, then you say, like, oh, I have their like DNA fingerprints. Well, like, I can now basically become a perfect copy of them. Yeah, and we were talking about how, like, because um, we've discussed this before the podcast a bit, and um, we're talking about like the idea of even one step further than that. Because I brought up the idea of I think it's naked mole rats; they can't get cancer. Mm-hmm. And it was like well, if you could, if you could somehow understand it to such a level where anything that you got the sort of DNA blueprint mm-hmm. of, you could extract parts from each of them, so you could be mm-hmm. like, okay, I've got the skin like pigments of. You know, naked morale, some sort of thing, biology in me, that is the thing that makes more rights not get cancer would be that. That would definitely have, that, that aspect of it would definitely have to come with being able to interact and get that, like, genetic blueprint yeah. out of. Yeah, definitely could randomly do that. Being able to just, oh, it's, I, I don't know, I, I want to be five inches taller today and become taller. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's really, it sounds petty, but just like in terms of what I'm trying to explain, is that I've basically complete control over my own physical form. 
it'd be so much easier like you wouldn't necessarily have to exercise anymore you'd just be like well, I'm just yeah. in the industry that'd be yeah. easy that'd be, that'd be a lot easier and you could obviously live a lot longer so if you don't have to spend money on haircuts and worry about like cutting nails like just generally self-maintenance yeah <laughs> no don't need to bother with any of that <laughs> I'd save so much time and it's also excuse me and what um so I think what the other thing I was going to say was um, which was uh, oh ageing because there's certain animals that live a lot longer than humans mm-hmm. isn't there um, I think there's still yeah, there's, there's going to be certain things that you can't change mm-hmm. and I think in terms of being human still ageing would just be a thing yeah, well, so you could hide it but you'd still it would, it would depend on the healing thing because in theory obviously you know our biology is so so different to like lobsters and uh, mm-hmm. uh was it lobsters and jellyfish? But I think those two are they're immortal age-wise. As far as I'm aware, lobsters are basically, in terms of aging, they're immortal. Yeah, their deaths mostly result from either us catching them or from by the time they're adults, actually, mostly physical encounters with other lobsters that they fight. There's not much that actually predates on fully grown lobsters. Yeah. Um, and then jellyfish have a thing where they basically they get into that adult form and then they can basically. Uh, de-age and just revert back into their polyp form right. and then become adult again and they just like flip back and forward wow okay and it's really weird I don't know how they do it but. yeah that's pretty crazy um, okay then um, that's, that's that's a pretty cool uh, power I get that what about you uh, Wayne what would you um, I'd probably go for something like Victor Von Doom from Fantastic Four which, which specific uh, um, pretty much like siphoning energy and then using it to manipulate stuff because it's like you look at people like Nikola Tesla and it's like if you didn't have to like pay your electric bill you could just like siphon energy from a local source and then you know put it into your telly or whatever you could do that with like so many like other countries and and that sort of thing and just hey here's power sort of thing but also you could use it like to manipulate other things so the problem with the Hadron Collider in Sweden Mm -hmm. is you know the, the power is basically there in sort of potential energy but it's not sufficient enough even though they've built around the summit of the mountain they 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 cannot get up to the speeds to prove what they want to prove i mean it's good in a way because if they do obviously they'll create a singularity which will suck us into a giant black hole but it will prove expansion theory so yeah physicists will be happy but the rest of the world won't but obviously if you could like supercharge those types of machines then of and you can use electricity to sort of manipulate all sorts of other things as well so many different types of technology um like magnetism you could pretty much greenify the world you know by making magnetic cars and, and all these different things like free floating like they've done for bullet trains in China hmm. but obviously you have to have that sort of power source but also as a sort of darker twist I, I wouldn't sort of use everyone sort of says they use their superpowers for like helping people and all this kind of stuff but I'd, I'd use it to sort of enact my own justice because I think like the legal system just isn't what it was and yeah. like I'm not saying bring back the death penalty for like any second but you know people the the leniency that there is in the system now i'm just thinking if if i had that sort of power that i knew i could take a life even though i have the conviction that i probably wouldn't it's it's having that fear and manipulation over people to say if you do this this is what's going to happen sort of thing yeah it's like a it's like the, the the putting the foot down in a sense a lot of it is the deterrent more so than the punishment mm. and that's the whole that's what the justice system should be it should be 
punishment as a deterrent, but then also rehabilitation. It should be a mix of mm-hmm. them, whereas it just seems to be a punishment that doesn't deter enough people and doesn't rehabilitate people. Um, but we can get onto that later as well if we want. But, um, but I'll, um, I'll add on my one uh, to finish this nice little random <laughs> thing up. Um, I initially... Because I said about time manipulation, which I mm. would... I have really thought about and I, I think that would be fantastic but obviously it becomes the idea of time manipulation comes with all the um, the sort of real complications that we were discussing which is like if I reverse if I go back in time by five years my physical form won't be five years younger it would be I would still be you know five years older so it would be if you keep reversing time, you would eventually lose it. Um, but then you could argue, okay, well, like Doctor Strange's or the Infinity Stone in Doc, in uh, the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, which obviously Doctor Strange has in his films in Infinity War, the Time Stone. Um, he uses it in Doctor Strange with apples. You know, he makes it rot and then turns it back and makes it you know, ripe and not again. And I was thinking, well, if you could do that to a person, then you could fix the physical form. But the problem is, is the brain is you know alzheimer's and things like that like if you if you made your brain less if you made your hand like really young that wouldn't be that'd be fine wouldn't do anything if you made your brain really young then you would basically lose memories in theory so it would kind of not really be the same as rewinding time in in a sense it would be more so if i i would never get hit by a car because the second i get hit by a car to rewind time i'll be all right or little things like that or you stub your toe and it's okay rewind time by five seconds and let's just not do that the idea that basically if you if it took you with you in its entirety of like you also reversed yeah it's like essentially a a do-over button yeah exactly so that would be an interesting idea and obviously it would improve my quality of life hugely because i would just be like okay well just win the lottery twice or every few years i'll just win the lottery or put a bet on something or something like that is this now apart from the idea of this is like you retain your memories as you go back now you're talking about yeah that's the thing if you you were going back fully it would be the one if you were to get hit by a car and they're like wait do over would you then still just walk in front of that car in which case it's an infinite paradox (laughs) yeah exactly that'd be the thing Um, which is obviously the problem with most time travel things and that's the idea of I think where partly multiverse theory almost comes to effect where with time travel I think the only way it would exist would be if you did time travel and you went back in time to say the big one people say is stop kill Hitler well if you go back in time to kill Hitler then in present day Hitler's not there so you would never go back in time to kill him therefore he'd be alive yeah. therefore you would have go back in time to kill him it creates a paradox and I think what would have to happen is if you go back in time to stop something happening whatever world you return to isn't the same world it is that same world if it had gone that way so it would kind of almost split which is where the idea of every conceivable action you have has like a multiverse where it has every single thing in the entire world is exactly the same up to that point and then that one decision is different and then it can be you know that's a whole huge idea behind that um but th- that when you get into that complicated stuff it becomes a bit of a mind fuck um but i don't I used to always say with certainty the time one, um, but given the logistics of it, even though it's a obviously very theoretical thing, I think I'd be immortal in the same way Wolverine is. I think it would just be a case of um, you shoot me in the head with a gun, I'd be fine, I'd live. You know, I wouldn't get cancer or any ailments that would kill me. I would then never have any fear of basically anything. I could, I could walk through. You know, with Wolverine, I don't think it explicitly says. I mean, I know he drinks a lot and stuff, but I imagine I don't know how eating works. You know, does he still have to eat? I don't actually know enough about Marvel, unfortunately. It doesn't really talk about it in the movies. I imagine the comics it probably goes into more detail. But, like, if I still had to eat and drink, fair enough. But then, can he ever drown? And that's the idea of, well, maybe he drowns. But then once he comes out of the water, 
after I say if I drowned and then someone got me out of the water, I would just come back to life. My cells would regenerate from being dead to alive. So it's kind of looking way too far into these things. But um, I think I'd choose the immortal thing um, because then I would be able to see how humanity sort of goes, sort of in the future. And but the issue would be. You know when people get their like hundred year birth certificate, certificate from the queen or whatever if they reach hundred, I'd 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 get to hundred and people are like he looks like he's like thirty forty ish, and then I'd get to like two hundred and people are like people have lived one hundred thirty maybe, but two hundred he's still fine. And it's like something's going wrong here, and then you wouldn't know what the government would do because they would like you know how this magic thing would suddenly happen, but like if they could somehow extract it, then they could make the entire human race immortal, which I think would bring about its own. A slew of problems that would be imagine if all the human race mm. could be immortal that'd be what, very cool what that would do I don't well, I think it'd be cool but the problem is you'd want to stop people having kids because you've got to think like it's basically overpopulation's already happening mm. going you know where I think it was only in the the 1850s or something like that there's only about a billion people or two billion there's very 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 few people only like a couple hundred years ago um, and like if you got rid of people actually dying because I think I think you may know better than me, Josh. Is it like um, the... De- I don't know if you even know. I'm just putting you on the spot. The death to life ratio at the moment. is that one point... I don't know. There's basically... If you're looking at death rate and birth rates, there's definitely more births per second than there are deaths per yeah, second. Yeah, it was something like that because I remember seeing it online and it's like, well, if you got rid of that, then immediately it would basically... The acceleration would be horrendous. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. the idea um, from from what I know from in terms of like terminology and stuff uh, something called fertility rates which is number of uh, well number of children per mother which is to say basically mm-hmm. if every female has I believe it's 2.8 children oh, that sounds weird <laughs> yeah. but bear with me um, essentially within like three maybe four generations the population stabilises perfectly mm. and it's 2.8 to say basically that every fifth family, every fifth woman has three children. Yeah. And then that helps to account essentially for infant mortality and all that sort of thing. Yeah. People that don't live on to reproduce. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... You end up with a... Pop- basically, you end up with that, okay, well, the population is now at this and it'll just basically like bit, 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 up and down, up and down, up and down around that point. Yeah. So you end up with a stable population size. Right. Which I think is, to be honest, what we need right now. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, sort of like China's one child policy, but globally enhanced. In a sense, yeah. and yeah. not as draconian. Yeah, draconian. yeah, it'd be a lot more. I've, I've said this in the past of just maybe, um, with certain exceptions, with like child benefit, for example, you get child benefit on one kid, then the second kid you get a slightly reduced one, and then the third kid you get reduced, then none after that. Yeah. But if you have twins or octoplets, if there's you have another kid and you were saying I'm only going to have my third kid and then you end up having twins as the third kid then you'd get this for the third and fourth kid you'd get the same child benefit for both so you'd actually get an additional one I think that would make sense there's, maybe there's a reason why that hasn't happened yet I don't know no. choose one the other one dies <laughs> <laughs> Just chuck it on I am joking it. completely just to cover my back <laughs> I think that would um, that would probably help curb it a little bit but there are some theories I've heard about um about it, which is, it's something like when populations, I don't know if this, I hope this isn't anything you just said because I had to check my phone for something, so I missed some of what you said, Josh, because I'm a terrible podcast host. Um, with, uh, what they think, obviously, population goes up and up and up, and it does get to a, a point where it does, it was can't go any higher. So I think that I heard about people saying, well, it, it's not that it can't, but I think people are saying when it gets to about 13 billion or something in the next few decades, 
people it's basically in a peak and it's because especially i think the internet's helped a lot is um because people know about it so much it will be a case of okay there are actually too many people and maybe the government will start putting things in maybe they won't but there's the the global uh sort of conscious consensus of we don't need that many more kids anymore there's way too many already there's way too many people but then there's that argument as well which is um when you have people who are generally a lot poorer they often have a lot more kids that's been a mm-hmm. correlation that i've uh seen as well um so if we could sort out sort of the global economy and have the western world's not have such huge austerity then it could be that could balance things out as well or even subconsciously depending on how deep you want to dive um if you think about the whole human race as a global consciousness to a degree um where even you look for a history generally speaking murder and and rape um there's been times in history where it hasn't been necessarily uh universally condemned obviously genghis khan those sorts of things as well especially but generally speaking those things even for religious texts have been don't murder, don't rape. There's a few things that are consistent that people all kind of agree on. Mm. And I wonder if there's a universal consciousness to like a really, really subconscious level where like our base, because we will have that kind of base gene thing of generally you want to reproduce. And obviously people that don't want to reproduce don't have kids. So the genes that make you not want to reproduce don't get passed on. So, and the people who have genes that make them want to reproduce make more people who want to reproduce. So it becomes a, a thing like that. So maybe if it became... 13 billion or however many billion people it would get to a point where okay we as humans don't need to overpopulate as much because we're killing ourselves but then animals don't do that (laughs) you know you get you have like animals in the wild which is why we've had to do um which is why there's certain degree of hunting which i agree with if it's in the right way and not like you know let's send some dogs out and hunt foxes and rip them to shreds it's more kill them in a humane way a certain amount people have to pay for tags and the tags go towards conservation of the animals because one thing i realized that i don't think i mentioned the podcast before um because i was talking to dom about hunting actually is um it came up on the joe rogan podcast and i hadn't thought about this people say hunting's really bad and obviously if you just look at it without delving too deep and explaining all the sort of different things it could be it does sound you're just slaughtering animals for no reason. But if you look at nature, the way animals actually die naturally is mm. absolutely horrendous. Like yeah. disease, uh, starvation, literally like bears and wolves. Um, I think wolves kill things and often eat from the anus first. Yeah. And bears don't even kill you before they start eating. They will literally swat you. And if you're just on the floor not moving, they will start eating you. Mm. Like, it doesn't matter where they choose. They'll just start eating you. You'll be alive for hours. Obviously, you can bleed out depending where they start getting you i'd like to make the point about um saying about how about oh well the animals if they die naturally are going to die in a horrific way but then if they're dying in the horrific way that is the course of natural selection of removing the things that are not beneficial to the gene pool yeah outside and removing them from the gene pool whereas hunting people are going to go for the big ones and the tough ones and the strong ones because they're the trophies Mm. and i think that's part of the problem true it's however removal of the good genes from the gene pool and I, I agree with you there that is a good point um however there is also the idea that um depending on what kind of hunting we're talking about because if you talk about the kind of hunting i like the idea of is there's miles and miles and miles and miles and miles of woodland area you can just go in there and try and get one and obviously even if you have a gun you with hunters what they say is you go out you know on average most uh, let's try again the majority of the time you won't actually get a kill as in as an individual. So if I go out and hunt five times, they say you were likely to get two kills, maybe one, you know, because even if you go out and try and hunt a deer, especially in areas where they're already being hunted, they're so aware of humans and 
they've got those uh, instincts and stuff if they hear a little rustling or if the wind one big thing is if the wind changes and your scent then travels across the wind they smell you they know what that is they'll jet and so you could almost argue that same as being hunted by a predator like a a wolf the weaker more stupid animals who don't realize when something's hunting them or tracking them they get killed and therefore if you're hunting them then it could be that sort of idea as well that's right i have the pretense that although i would say that i'm again i'm against sport hunting yeah yeah um, and trophy hunting yeah um from the sheer point of when it's like some sort of organized thing where they're going out and it's like we're not coming back until we've killed something mm. like that i inherently disagree with right but the idea of going out and if it's for a reason like either one you like i'm going to go hunt let's say in the woods for deer if i get a deer i'm gonna you know, butcher it up, eat it, use it for that's a big meals part and everything. Like actual, like use stuff, or say for example, um, elephants mm. in Africa. They do need every now and again some population control. Mm. They need to be culled because if they're not, then they start just basically destroying all the vegetation, and nothing else can survive. And they'll eventually, they'll end up eventually both in other populations and their own collapsing. Mm. So there is a, there is a balance and argument to be had there. But in terms of sport hunting, where it's, you go out with the intent to kill something, to bring its head back, mm. and it's like you don't care what you kill or which one, it's just you get one and it might be the, it might be the bloody head Alpha. of the lion pride or something. It's yeah. Like, I don't... I, mm. I think you have to be careful about how you're doing it, yeah, I think, if at all. I think that's key with being careful of how you do it because um, there is there is a point I heard on a podcast as well, which was um, it was another Joe Rogan one, and they were saying that this is a part where my knowledge isn't full on this, so this is more of a, of a general thing. But um, you, I recommend people to look this up more so than taking 100% my word for it. But it was something like, I can't remember if it's elephants or lions or things, but... Um, in Africa, there are certain places where you pay a lot of money and you go out on a safari and you hunt. And that sounds really cruel. However, if you if you have a controlled area of, say, however many miles and you have a certain amount of lions living there and you have got people there that if the lions do start getting really ill or start getting really sick or some starts really bad things to start to happen, the amount of money people pay to go in there to do trophy hunting is used as conservation to save the lions. So you've got a population of 5,000 lions in this big area, but you know 200 of them do get killed for trophies which is morally probably not right to do but there's been times where these places have shut down and then they have to just let let leave the um, lines themselves and what happens is poachers then come in mm. and it doesn't it's one of those ideas of i'm not necessarily saying it's right or wrong i don't really know because i don't know the intricate politics of it all but in that sense i'd say this isn't an this isn't a rhetorical question this is one i don't really know the answer to of is it better to have 5,000 lions, 10% of them are going to get, or 20% are going to get hunted in the earlier parts of their life, which isn't ideal, but the rest of them have a better uh, quality of life. Is that better, or should we more leave it to it? And I think if there are no such thing as poachers, or people going around making the rhino extinct and things like that, well, not all rhinos, but, you know, certain species Give of rhino. Time. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And people, you know, when you get who cut off elephant tusks while they're alive just leave the elephants that's horrendous it's like no you shouldn't do that it should I believe it should always at the very least without anything else considered it should always at least be a humane kill it, it shouldn't be cause the animal animal any pain or suffering you know it's, I, I, that's how I feel what about you as your paleontologist do you have any well I think if you're going to hunt then by all means do it only as a, a culling 
thing because at the end of the day if, if a population grows out of control then obviously it's going to have adverse effects on you know populations that it's um encountering if you know which is what happened what is happening with poaching and, and trophy hunting you're actually going for you know as josh said earlier the the bigger and the stronger ones which would be naturally selected to pass on their genes to the next generation mm. but also you're hunting things like the amara leopard it's already threatened just by global warming just by you know human interference and all that kind of stuff you're now adding additional pressures for the sake of your libido or you know um boosting up basically your ego driven life because you know oh it, it puts money on the table whatever there are loads of other professions that you can go into mm. that don't involve you mass or you know tipping that organism to the brink of extinction you know you you go back to the last ice age you know woolly mammoths yeah you could argue that they were driven to extinction by global climate but if it wasn't due to overhunting mm. by you know primitive man homo sapiens and neanderthals they wouldn't have been driven to the brink of extinction we probably would just about have seen them in our lifetime so mm. we, we probably would have seen them i don't know early 1900s by that they would have gone extinct like the dodo or the great orc or something like that but if you're gonna hunt then you know you, you pick a species which is doing overly well mm. and you have to take a universal opinion and i know this is going to sound really dark and twisted but if you're gonna cull animals then you have to include humans in that because mm, that's at the a end very of day, interesting thing you know we are all animals and there is no social hierarchy as far as natural selection is concerned. The same process is even though we have screwed them to the point where we're now in control of natural selection, mm. we're not fully in control. Control is an illusion. So natural selection is still f trying to figure out a way to keep us under control and it will do. We'll have a mass extinction event or the population will become so high as you mentioned before it will get to a peak because if you think about it not just from the terms of a moral conviction or a social conviction but just resources itself you think of a fire a fire will escalate to a certain point once it runs out of fuel source then it just extinguishes itself just mm. the same as the population if you run out of food or water or electricity you know something that you know sustains life mm. there's going to be a point where people will just just die because of lack of resources and you'll you'll end up with what I'd say a reboot population, which would be a couple of hundred thousand people, which would then have to kick start the whole process again. I, I would See, agree with the fact that I'm I'm very dead set on the fact that if anything is going to end the human species, mm -hmm. it's going to be something that we've done to ourselves. Yeah, almost certainly. I mean, there's there's not only the idea of bioweapons, nuclear war, um, also as you say, overpopulation. Um, and it's it's a loads of things, but um, I think as you said earlier, uh, slightly on your point, Wayne, which was uh, a lot. One thing a lot of people think, for example, is I know that um, the one of the arguments for cancer, it seems like it's it's happening more. A lot of people say it's not necessarily. We have more equipment to figure to detect it more. But there's the other argument, which is it could be happening more because some people argue that the there's diseases coming out that the in a sense the Earth, which is a lot of people view as a super organism, um, is basically it's almost like we're a virus we're killing it so more natural disasters happen as you say wayne you know with um we're caused by global warming and climate change that sort of thing which can obviously tips the balance of things makes natural disasters happen and kill people but also disease can become more rife and things and super diseases you know um, like some of the uh diseases that are antibiotic resistant and those sorts of things and these are evolving and adapting almost be not necessarily because there's some sort of controlling like 
deity necessarily i'm not saying there is or isn't but the idea of this conscious of of the planet earth it's just the balance mm. it's just there are too many so it balances out and makes them less and eventually there's going to be some i'm not saying it'd be a good thing but there could be some sort of huge super plague or something like that which has happened before you know there's been the bubonic plague there's been numerous times i mean i think it was a thing where at one point the human uh, species was estimated to go down to only like a few thousand people eight thousand like, people that's you're the expert <laughs> so yeah, yeah with uh, it was the 12th ice age uh, they reckon it was caused by a meteorite impact um they've measured a iridium um level but doesn't prove anything but they yeah they reckon it shrunk the human population i say human it was um homo habilis so it was two steps before homo sapiens right um but it shrunk the population worldwide down to about eight thousand individuals oh wow okay so yeah so that sort of thing can happen and uh, you know we like to think that because we're almost running our own uh it's the human ego it's it's like people have that idea that i've been guilty of before where you kind of think I'm not going to, nothing, this really bad thing isn't going to happen to me. I'm not going to be in a car crash and die. I'm not going to get cancer. I'm not going to, because it's me. And I don't, you know, but that's not, that's not, that's not a thing. That's, that's actually, that's completely hubris. That's a human hubris. So it's like, we think we're humans. We'll survive. We make every, all these sci-fi films. We always seem to have a way. It's like, yeah, but if a meteorite big enough happens to hit us, we're fucked. We're gone. You know, it's it, maybe not a hundred percent of us, but the way we are at the moment, the whole structure of earth, if, if our population goes down to, you know, 1% of the population, the infrastructure we have at the moment will not be sustainable. We'd have to change everything completely. But if you think, well, that's still 1% of the earth, you know, we've got 7 to 8 billion people here. Um, well, that would, 1% is still, what, 10, or I think it's 10 million still, wouldn't it? Um, or seven, 70 million or 80 million. Well, if you go down even more to like on the whole world, if there was only a few hundred thousand the, the way we are now is not sustainable for a hundred thousand people it, it wouldn't work mm. so it would be a an interesting thing there of, of sort of extinctions and stuff like that but the human culling that's a very interesting point but do you, you I'd, say something um, interject with uh something yeah yeah go ahead um there is a name for what you're trying to describe okay um it's known as the gaia hypothesis okay uh and it's I know, I know, I personally, I know when you're using the word consciousness and all that sort of thing. Um, but I think it's key to underpin it with the idea that it's not something that is like happening with intent. Yeah. It's, it's, um, throwback, uh, plug for, uh, the previous Science But Simple. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, we talked about the negative and positive feedback systems. Yes. Yeah. And that it is a network of all these positive and negative changes and things that regu- that basically self-regulate yeah. by just the nature of all their interactions. Yeah. Which keeps a stable system. And what humans are doing is basically throwing that whole regulatory system out of whack mm. to the point where it, we're going to get to a point where changes happen that mean that we as a species can no longer exist yeah and we'll be purged and then it'll think oh all this stuff's no longer happening what i won't think but like at that point our influence on the system is gone so the negative feedback stuff will pull it back to that central point again Mm, yeah and then from that obviously comes if with using it if we say an example let's say tomorrow if tomorrow the resources start going out all humans start Mm. or almost all humans starve in you know 100 years for example well, what would happen is then there's obviously the, the vacuum almost but all the other animals that are still living among us and things like that not just 
domestic pets, but also obviously a lot of the animals in the forest lands nearby that we've destroyed a lot of their um, their environment, their habitats to make human stuff. Well, when we're gone, eventually, you know, plants will, as it didn't need to be metaphorical. They will grow over stuff. It will expand. You see it in a lot of films. I Am Legend, uh, one that I think is probably the best example of famous films I've seen where it happens, where New York eventually, you leave for years and years, the grasslands from certain areas on it, people's gardens or even the, the sort of bigger nat- uh, national reserves and national parks, stuff will just overgrow without something. And then it will eventually create more of a untouched human habitat, like a habitat that humans haven't touched. And therefore, you know, you have a this huge spike in certain populations and then it all as you say the feedback systems will come in to mm-hmm. change it all and stuff so yeah when i say consciousness i don't necessarily mean it in a, a hippie because I, th- I assume you mean it was called the gaia thing because gaia of, hypothesis because of gaia's name mother earth isn't it yeah one of the, so that's the the link of you know there's that argument of maybe there is a, con- a universal consciousness or maybe there isn't but either way there is something which makes it balance so it's yeah. but it's, it's, the it's not like it's thing. not a sentient yeah exactly it's I, I don't like believe yeah i don't believe the earth is sentient i want to clarify that yeah. I, it uh, not at all but it's quite interesting to think of it like a human is is a super organism in a sense because we've got so many bacteria like in, inside us affecting us our gut biomes have got millions and millions if not more and then you know you've got the skin flora's got so many and every part of us has got so much bacteria creating what we are yeah that's, that's an interesting point to say that the human body is a habitat yeah like it, exactly. if you think of that think of that and it's like oh that sounds weird but like, it, it just is like yeah 100% <laughs> yeah so it's a, it's a very your your idea of human culling though Wayne is very it's very controversial but it's very interesting in thought I mean do I even know you anymore <laughs> <laughs> that's you, the question you've changed in school <laughs> it would it have interest you don't have to if, if you just have a vague idea of it it could be a possibility but if you if either of you two would to um, would implement it how would one go about it in a sense would you do it based on would you do a random thing like have you seen the new Avengers film yeah yeah um just minor spoilers for people of the avengers film but you probably would have seen it by now if you're really that into it but that idea of thanos wants to kill everyone because but random he doesn't want to choose the dumbest or the weakest he wants 100 percent half of the population of the universe gone by pure random so you get some of the smartest minds but some of the dumbest minds some of the nicest some of the most horrible just everyone completely random click gone would you if, if you had to say for some reason, you the human race, everyone would die, or you had to kill a certain amount of people. Would you do it on a more random basis, or would you do it systematically? Yeah, and if you you have to go into ridiculous detail, I don't want people thinking you're going to start cleansing people. But like, you know what I mean? Yeah, but like, purity, you know that. yeah, exactly. <laughs> the like, second, <laughs> but would have you thought about this at all? If you haven't, that's fine. I'm just no, interested. Um, yeah. We thought about it. Uh, well, this is going to sound deranged, but I've thought about it quite a few times. <laughs> I've thought about a lot of different things. So I wouldn't worry um, about it. No, I'd, I'd probably use like a, a random um, sequence generator, like mm. with computers. So you'd have a massive supercomputer with everyone's details on it. A giant census. Like a, yeah, and you'd basically have everyone's details, and you'd be like, right, okay, a random sequence. You'd you'd all have a global consensus on a number that you're going to pick of how many people, and pretty much everyone, I would say that's either legitimate for it or of a certain age group or whatever you would just have right there's going to be a random poll and it's going to select all those people but obviously you're going to have so many like you're going to have emotional attachment to literally everybody yeah so what i would probably do is first off integrate it into the criminal system mm-hmm. so you would have obviously those that are not so much 
you'd, you'd have those deserving, I use it loosely, yeah. of the death penalty, and you'd have those as close to it as possible. Mm. And you'd say, right, we'll take a random sequence of them first. Have people that are both in the justice system as well as outside of the justice system. So it's a balanced thing. And say, right, we'll pick a consensus of them and basically see if that sort of, you know, becomes basically the social norm. Because the one thing you, you don't want to do is do this mass genocide-like <laughs> thing. And, and just like, you know, the, the effect of, uh, you know, the Holocaust, mm. it's remembered for hundreds of years, but never from the intention, you know, as like I say, as dark and twisted as it sounds, you never look to it from Hitler's point of view. You always associate him as this egocentric megalomaniac who just was out to wipe out an entire race of people. Yeah. But if you actually look through his psyche and look to the reason behind it and, you know, the the detriment that he deludedly thought was happening to his perfect society, Hmm. a lot of those ideologies still exist now Hmm. because, you know, we we still have a lot of elitist societies that believe that, you know, white races are are superior to other races, Hmm. uh, you know, in certain countries or, you know... Um, some religions or some beliefs feel that they are superior. So including them in this global consensus and just adding it sort of group by group over a a series of like a 100 years or whatever, it would sort of humble those people that think I'm too good to die. Yeah. But also make people think that, oh, I'm looking forward to death. It's bringing it closer to them because for a lot of people, as as horrible as it is to admit... A lot of people won't be reached before mm. they die. You know, you see it on the telly all the time that people are dying because of lack of water, because of, you know, people, babies going blind because there's a parasite eating their retinas. And you're just like, I so wish I could reach you in time to prevent that and stop that. Mm. But because of the restrictions financially, politically, all these different kinds of restrictions that I have, I can't guarantee I'm going to reach you in time. Mm. So to have that sort of cull in place. It's almost like a global euthanasia side of things as well. Um, Mm. But also you could look at it from that wider point of view, the people that are in hospital beds that would like to be put out of misery. Perhaps they could say, could I have a a list, you know, maybe bump myself up the consensus to have me, I'm guaranteed a spot on that consensus. And you you have people actually not purchasing, but saying, because I have a terminal illness, I'd like to go out on my own terms. Mm. I'd like to put myself on there. And then once you've got those spaces filled, then it becomes more random after that's been done. So there's more of key sort of uh, compartmentalising of, there's a higher concentration of, say, criminals Mm. proportionally to the general populace, but also people terminal if they want to be, that sort of thing. And I think I want a pretense, because obviously you brought up hit on the Holocaust thing. It's a a weird one, but obviously we can all here agree Holocaust was one of the most heinous things that's ever happened. Um, But one of the things is, obviously, what Hitler wanted to do was the idea of, as you say, there wasn't enough to go around, so he wanted to cull it. His idea of who he wanted to cull was wrong, obviously, Mm. because the Jews there's nothing it was almost viewed as like trying to cleanse a disease Mm. exactly which is where the big where the huge flaw of it comes however one of the things I've heard people say before once again I need to preface this I'm not saying the holocaust was good at all but it did unfortunately bring some benefit because of their less people and that's what happens with any mass culling Mm. any horrendous big event that kills loads of people once people have recovered from the psychological damage and all the horrendousness that comes with everything else of how unpleasant it is, it does often bring a degree of positivity mm. in the sense of, 
enough resources to go around. I mean, one of them also, another thing, uh, is psych- psychologically speaking, is 9-11. Horrendous thing that happened. Obviously, uh, quite a few thousand people died. That was horrendous. But a lot of people say in New York, for years and years afterwards, the community was so much tighter that I think crime statistics actually show crime went down yeah. for several years afterwards because people were nicer to each other because there was a more that community caring about your neighbour aspect of it. So... I'm with the human culling thing. I'm not saying I would necessarily be for it. It's a very interesting thought experiment. Um, and obviously, it's, you know, I'm not saying it's necessarily it would be a good or necessarily a bad thing. I think where we are as it stands, maybe it wouldn't be necessary because of um, but it's that idea of utilitarianism, isn't it? Mm. Is it better for 80% of the population to live, let's say, a uh, if we rate things out of 10, say everyone on average is living a 5 out of 10 goodness in life, you know, there's some people who have horrendous, some people are good, but on average the, out of happiness, out of 10, everyone in the world averages at like 5 well, if we killed 20% of people but everyone bumped up to 8 out of 10 would that be better? And there's that thing of, if you look at it in a Thanos way, or in a like a non-human way, look third party like a computer deciding things objectively it would be better but only for those who survived yeah. once you got over the initial hump mm. you know after a generation or so had gone once no one who knew the people who'd been killed then it'd be all right mm. it's the whole thing so it's, it's certainly an interesting idea what about you Josh what do you think about a um, human cull obviously I want to clarify <laughs> it's even saying it sounds horrendous I want to clarify I'm not saying I'm for it I can understand the benefits and I can obviously understand the the bad parts and I'm not saying I'm for or against it it's more of a very interesting this thing to think about but Josh what's I your would word? probably exclude mm. children yeah and people fair. and people with dependence so people that have children that can't look after themselves without it okay but um, I, I feel like I would go with literally just total randomness because mm. I you could try and go with oh well I want to choose the people that contribute most to yeah. society but at which point you say okay well do you then select out say a lot of the cultural stuff but that has intrinsic value I think I don't think there's a way of properly quantifiably valuing different things against each other so yeah. I think that uh, to say that would be wrong um, the other potential idea I would go by would be if you're above a certain age. Mm, yeah, yeah, I'd say because over 25 people, or something. The, no, I'm, I'm thinking of like the elderly mm. in oh, terms of the people that know, that have the least left to contribute. I see, so if you're over 70, then it's a much higher chance of you being in this cull sort of thing. Is that more the idea? No, as in it's basically like, oh, if you're above this age and you're like saying retired or whatever, does that that's a, a fair enough point. I mean, there's that... I can't remember if it's in a film or a book or something, but maybe I'm imagining it, but an idea of when you get over the age of, like, 80 or something, mm-hmm. everyone goes to this one nation, this one island, and you go there, and you have six months of living... It's like a hospice almost, but you live... every. Mm-hmm. You kind of do whatever you've always wanted. You have, you're have. you treated like a king almost for six months, but then at the end of the six months, you're like, you've got to that age. It's time for you to go to benefit mm-hmm. everyone else. I'm not. That's a really interesting idea, actually. I... Uh... I, I I feel like I, in terms of choosing that option, in terms of if you're like killing the most elderly because they have the least left to contribute, um, I feel it does raise the question of well, if people have contributed all their lives and then as soon as they stop contributing, it's like no, nope, no more time left for you. I feel that's really I I don't like that idea. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like trying to think about how to organise this populate, if you were to do human population control, mm-hmm. how would you do it? Mm-hmm. I feel like in terms of increasing the, like, as you say, the utilitarian aspects of the amount of 
good that people can do, once people get to a certain point, they can no longer constructively contribute. Yeah. And also it means that if we did the idea of, hypothetically, I was like, let's Mike Burton and Wayne Telford and Josh Murray, we're all going to do a coalition and then start the human cull. But um, obviously, if I got to 80 or something, I mean, a lot of people I talk to our age, they a lot of friends, in fact, Callum, I think, and Kieran both said they don't even want to get to 80 because they go, once you get to that sort of age, even if you're really healthy, you get to a point where you just can't continue to be healthy. It's like you can keep doing exercises till you're an old age and you can keep doing jogging or exercise eating healthy but it gets to a point where if you're exercising regularly you increase your chances of say a heart attack and mm. uh, lots of other joint issues and that sort of thing but you reduce your chances of say cancer and sort of other things but it still increases your chance of other things killing you if you're if you're 85 and you're jogging every day you're probably less likely to die of certain cancers that are to do with uh, certain almost I don't know that all the details. I'm not even going to say words that are going to be stupid, but you know what I mean. But it does increase your chances of a heart attack. So and it's like, well, once you get past eighty something, I'd probably say you've only got a certain amount of time left. And if you also don't exercise at all, well, then you will start. It will accelerate anyway. At the same time, I'd rather much have a heart attack and be gone than to have cancer for three years and go out in agony. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think. I agree. I, there. Honestly, I uh, to move to not move on to a slightly different topic. What's all about? Tan- same vein. Tangentially speaking, um, go. The idea of uh, legalizing euthanasia for people, I 100%. think, is. I don't even know why there's debate really. Yeah, but I, I, I 100% agree with you. Like, you know? it's not about saying, oh, like, it's one of those things where people will be against it, but it's like if someone chooses to do this. That does not affect you in any way. Like, and it's what has not it just choosing like, oh, tomorrow you go, I want to die and go. It's not like in a future armor, yeah, the have, suicide you, move. You, that's that's like, the complete wrong way of doing. You have all pathways and legislation and things to make sure you know people with terminal illnesses, all that sort of thing. Like yeah. there is a due course and process to go through, but the idea of not allowing somebody to go out on their own terms when they're basically in like they 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 have been given a death sentence anyway. One hundred percent. Is I just don't. Which that idea of also none of us chose to be born. We we choose no. to continue to live. But there are some people who have. Um, I think Scroobius Pip says it, who's another podcaster and a rapper that I really like. Um, he actually was the got me into podcasting. Actually, um, he was saying he would like to when he gets to sixty or seventy or something just die then, just euthanasia or whatever, because he's like. He doesn't necessarily want to live forever, and he doesn't want this. He he doesn't, and also the pain of dying and going on your own. Uh, in as Josh was saying, like you want to go off on your own terms, and it's people you shouldn't. Serious people had a very close friend of his who killed himself as well, which obviously suicide is a horrendous thing that ravages our society, especially for young males our sort of age. And it's like, well, some people, whether or not you say there's an issue with their brain and that it's just they don't have enough serotonin, anything like that, or if it's just some people just don't want to live anymore you some people live they they live 30 years on this earth and they've done they've done all the good things that everyone enjoys they've played video games gone to the cinema gone to the zoo had sex done drugs everything and they're like i've tried it all relatively speaking and none of it is as enjoyable as the unpleasantry of the effort of having to live is because it is a lot of effort to live isn't it i mean having to feed yourself hygiene food care about social um sort of standings where a lot where a lot of anxiety and stuff comes from as well as bills and finances world politics having to even in social situations where you have to know certain things about either what's going on in the world or know about media all these sorts of pressures and stuff some people are fine with that most people generally seem to be but a lot of people just think and that's far too much effort. I would rather be in this uh, infinite abyssal sleep where I'm not in pain or not. And 
everyone's gonna my idea is everyone's gonna die eventually so for me personally i haven't been so depressed i want to kill myself so speaking it i want to clarify that before saying this but for me personally i would say even if i'm in loads of pain i will just ride it out to the end because i'm gonna die anyway however obviously a lot of people don't have that mindset and it should be if you want to kill yourself it shouldn't be like a few trauma suicide booth 25 cents in a booth you're gone without a few seconds notice because people will get drunk and have moments of weakness or they may not want to actually do that in 99% of their life but they have a moment where they do and they do it it should be okay you talk to a psychologist a psychologist psychiatrist whatever you get evaluation you speak to all your family your friend everyone and everyone around you you know you have to have a system of okay if you want to kill yourself for two years and you go to an appointment with a, a psychiatrist every month and then the last year it's every couple of weeks you see them and you're still like and you try all these things they tell you to try you try changing your diet you try maybe some antidepressants you try changing your lifestyle all sorts of things and you're like i just don't want to live anymore we shouldn't force you to if it, go, if it gets to that point it's unfortunate for the family who care about you and you really don't the family members are like i want you to live because i don't want to live without you but at the end of the day you can't make that decision for someone. And it's not like no one kills themselves now anyway. If I want to kill myself that bad anyway, I could just go do it. But it's if I have to do it myself, it's not going to be as pleasant as euthanasia or even if everyone wants to kill themselves. You go live in this little resort for you know a few months and if you're really old, you live there for six months, then you die. Or if you're young or like our sort of age and you're depressed, live there for three months, you get a review or you get a review every couple of weeks. And if you're living this, air quotes, perfect life and you still don't want to, you still want to go, then the last however many months was really pleasant, really enjoyable. You get to say goodbye to everyone the way you want to. And then you get nicely euthanized, no pain, no problem. Rather than, you know, some of the people ODing or hanging yourself or jumping off buildings. And not to mention the thing of, I think me and Tom discussed this before, where suicide, if you jump in front of a train, you know, it's an easy, quick way to go. To go, um, But it's it really... This sounds really sensitive, but inconvenience is everyone else's day. Mm. Like, not to be an asshole, but if you jump in front of a train, you could severely psychologically damage the driver of the train. Anyone who, if you are at a train station, you watch someone kill themselves, they hit the front of a train, they splat everywhere, that's going to mess you up. You know, and people shouldn't have to go to those lengths if they actually want to end it, but you should give them the help they need. Mm. So it's a very interesting idea of human culling. I don't know if you guys have anything to add to that, because I just went off on one. Um, I, uh,. Something you said that's reminded me of something else. Um, when you said about none of us have chosen to be born, mm. um, reminded me of people I'm aware of that uh, are so-called antenatal. Okay. Which yeah. I think I've discussed with you at some point yeah, before. Yeah, I recognise the name. Um, essentially, people that um, no, they're not like aggressive about it. It's like these are my personal views. It's not like everyone must be like this. Yeah. Um, but people that take the moral standpoint of like complete utilitarianism, the fact that. If I produce a child, I cannot guarantee that that child would not experience suffering. In which case, I cannot morally justify bringing that child into the world mm. because I feel like it was wrong. It did not have the choice to do so. Yeah. And I will be inflicting pain on something. Yeah. By bringing it into the world. 100%. And it's like, I I, I understand that viewpoint. Mm. And people that choose not to procreate. Yeah, and you can either adopt or think like um. In fact, mm-hmm. Molly, who obviously you guys both know from school when she was on the podcast, um, I can't remember if she just said it in the podcast or out of the podcast, but she said she's likely with her um boyfriend. She doesn't want to actually necessarily have kids, but she does mm-hmm. want to adopt or foster because she, in her opinion, she thinks well, 
either I can't remember if she said this part specifically, but this is part of the idea of like if I use me for an example, so it's not talking about someone else, but me, I do want to have kids one day. But I could say, well, I don't want a kid of my own because I don't want to give a kid asthma, hay fever, allergies, and because of the line of cancer in my family, maybe mm. not bring a kid into the world because I don't want to make them suffer, as you say. So maybe I will want to foster or adopt or anything like that. And it's there's nothing wrong with that. And antinatalism being I don't want I don't think anyone should really have kids. If you do I'm not going to stop you or do anything malicious, but in opinion, I think it's better if, even if, imagine if for like a 10 years, just people didn't really have kids. Like, I know obviously it's kind of maybe not fair to people who are 28 and or a woman who's 28, for example, she does want a kid at some point, but she maybe wants it in three years time. And then you say, you have to have it now or in 10 years. Maybe she wouldn't have that time. But that's another thought experiment, which would be quite cool. If Imagine if we could just see Earth. And we had this weird thing where you can like, um, I think it's been done a few drama actually, where it's like a what if machine where you go, what if, oh, yeah. what if we just from, we prepared everyone for it. We gave everyone say, right, five years, you've got the deadline. Okay. In five years time at this point, mass uh, infertility bomb almost. No, everyone's infertile for 10 years. And then afterwards, everyone gets fertile, like, fertile again. That'd be a really interesting uh, thing to do. Or another thing I thought of, which is I wish the world was almost more like this. Wouldn't it be great if everyone's just infertile and then you have to take a pill to make yourself fertile? You imagine you had to take you a actively pill. actively make the decision mm. to reproduce. Imagine if you had to take a pill where, yeah, you literally have to take this pill every day, both male and female, for three months. And if you can do that without, and say the pill only works if you don't drink and you don't do that, you know, you're healthy enough and you don't drink, there could be a sort of thing of, if you're committed to bringing a child into this world and being the best life you can give it, you have to do this thing. That kind of makes sense. It doesn't. It doesn't seem to me be too ridiculous to say someone has to take a pill. I mean, obviously, there's the idea of well, if the pill doesn't work for some people, blah blah blah. But people are infertile anyway, mm. so that's another thought experiment. I thought I'd throw at you both an idea. Yeah, it would certainly get rid of the problem of abortion because if you think about it, if you're not bringing that child into the world in the first place, then it's not a quote unquote inconvenience. Exactly. Yeah, and abortion is. It's that idea of is abortion in any stage killing a baby? You know, there's the idea of even when it's just cell splitting, I think if it's in the early days, you just take the pill, fizzles, it's gone, essentially. I would argue that's not. But a lot of people do argue that it is still. Once the egg's been uh, fertilised, it will be a baby if you leave it. So that is, in theory, killing a baby. I don't think it's equivalent to to killing a baby that is alive, but it's stopping that. And, you know, you kind of have to... Do kind of have to look at it like that in some way, especially the later stages of pregnancy when you can get it take, uh, taken care of, essentially. And it's 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 a grey area where people get really upset about it a lot. And it's it is it's obviously it's not a pleasant thing for someone to go through. But there's that it's almost a utilitarian argument, isn't it? Of would I want to bring a baby in this world that I can't take care of? It's going to have this horrendous life for ten, fifteen years because I'm poor, my relationship's bad, I'm ill, blah 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 blah. blah. Or I could just unfortunately get rid of it it makes it sound so dehumanising but you know get rid of it five ten years down the line when I'm ready better life you know mm. so I do think that is a uh, I think the biggest point uh, to contend with there is um, I like the I, I also go with the utilitarian approach to that yeah um, but this, the same people a lot of the time that would be the ones to say oh no abortion is bad it's murder are the same ones that, as soon as that baby is born, will be complaining about the amount of their taxes that are going into the welfare state. Yeah, yeah that's all right. So it's like, you're fine for that baby to be born, but as soon as it is born, you're like, no, it's your responsibility to take care of it, under your money and all that thing, not my money. My, my taxes is going towards welfare. No. Mm. 
It's like, you're not pro-life, you're pro-birth. Moral cherry-picking. I guess. That's almost what it is, isn't it? It's mm. just like, you want to... That's the whole thing with the left and the right a lot of the time, this whole uh, dichotomy of political systems, which often comes up because you get people who like to try and be so moral about one thing, but then not about the other. And he's Obviously, being moral, uh, morality in general, is quite a subjective thing, depending on the individual, as well as the culture, all kinds of other things. But it is, I think, just pro-choice you should be able to choose to have an abortion or not within reason I mean it shouldn't have a girl who can just keep getting pregnant because she doesn't use condoms because she can't be bothered and then just has an abortion every few you know months or whatever that's no that's completely wrong but and the instances obviously rape is the big one where definitely people should be able to get aborted if they're raped but also sometimes accidents can happen sometimes you can use a condom you can use the pill you can pull out do every method but you can still inseminate sometimes it's it's part of that um is there anything you guys want to add to that? Because I was going to move on to something, something else, but I don't know if you have anything else to add to abortion, euthanasia, or human culling. Um, I was going to go on to the other subject we were talking about, but I don't want to do that until you guys have... Is there anything else you want to add? I think... Just the idea that it's also one of the the big socio-political things of separating what we consider as moral and what we consider as legal, and that legal doesn't mean moral and moral doesn't mean legal like there are things that are illegal that are moral and there are things that are legal which i would probably consider quite immoral Mm. and the two things are quite distinct from each other yeah especially because obviously laws are not you know unanimous across the globe that's that's obviously the very big thing even amongst europe even in uh, england like obviously ireland that was a big one i think uh, abortion was only recently uh Yes, it was very, very recently, like a few weeks ago. Yeah, the poll was like, I think it was like, what was it? It was like a sway of thirty-three percent disagreed. Mm. So it was like a massive. There's a big majority. Yeah, majority for it. It was like two thirds, almost basically. You know, one in three people to believe that there should be, and it should be. It's a choice. It's it's one of people. Is as we. It's one of those things where people telling others how to live. It's not right. It's and euthanasia, telling them that you have to live, and all these sorts of other things. It's just as long as people aren't hurting anyone else, let mm. them do it. And and the people that are be like, no, you can't tell me how to live, but you can't have an abortion. It's like <laughs> double standards, much. Yeah, exactly. Like, Jesus Christ. How can you even vote? I just disagree with people saying who vote against abortion. It's just upsetting to me because it's just like if you a lot. There's a lot of people I know who, especially women, who if they ever got pregnant they said they would keep the baby because they don't they would never get something aborted and that's perfectly fine if if you're if you're 19 i know people who they said they wouldn't have had kids when they were 19 they said they wouldn't have chosen to have a child at 19 but they believe that in their personal view that that an abortion is not a morally right thing to do in their own life they've got nothing they completely understand someone else doing it but they personally would never want to and that's what pro-choice is if you believe that way and if you are a religious individual who believes it is killing a baby or you aren't religious and you just think it's not the morally right thing to do perfect you don't have to do it you have the choice if you get pregnant at a young age or any reason you can have it but people who don't want that or that it's a detriment to them you know there's even in like with ireland it was things like one of the big arguments was obviously as parent, I think the only time you were allowed to have an abortion, I think, was if the mother was going to die, if the baby was going to kill them, if they were going to be born. But there's things like rape and that sort of thing. It's just like, what? Mm. I can't. Yeah, and people that argue against it, it's like, well, if you if you don't want the baby dying, because a lot of the time it's like you've killed them before they've had a chance to, like, contribute in some way. It's like, okay, then, 
donate them to Stalsem research. If they're going to be killed anyway, yeah. at least let them contribute to a cure for cancer, a cure for diabetes, something like that. So then at least they have contributed something. Yes, it's you know completely inhuman where they're being scrambled up in a, basically what is a whisk, but... yeah. Taking those stem cells, which could then regrow someone's amputated limb or, you know, completely, you know, reform someone else's life. It's almost like organ donation at the mm, end of the day, 100%. you know. Yeah. So it's like if, if you are sacrificing a baby, which is otherwise an inconvenience, well, then give someone else a chance to survive. Someone who's desperately waiting for a liver transplant, which isn't going to come. It's like, well, we have the cells. We can grow one. In like a few days and get it into you from your own cells. So there's not going to be any issue of your body not recognizing it or anything like that. We can grow it from your cells with the use of this, um, you know, fetus that was otherwise unwanted. Exactly. It's all about using, and that's what I kind of think about with the hunting element of it, which is why I'm not as for trophy hunting unless the conservation element um, outweighs it if there's population um, issues. But obviously we'll discuss that. But with, with hunting, with deer hunting and things like that, you're going to cull the population. Okay. But when you kill them, Take as much meat as you can. Feed like Joe Rogan often mm. does, you know. Feed your family. Then you don't have to buy from the store. Then there's no factory farming and other stuff like you can give the bone or the this or the that to either like you can give it to animal places where they'll just blend it all up and feed to animals, which is completely fine for them. There's all kinds of things you can do. It's about not wasting, and that's where the the thing I agree with you in and completely with the abortion thing is if this person's gonna have an abortion anyway, why just air quotes bin the baby thing if you if it can be used for something mm. it should always be we should not be wasting as much you know and that's the end of the podcast thanks as always for tuning in guys um as i said at the start next week it will be um, another podcast with josh and wayne um and if that audio sounded like it cut off a little bit it's because we did have the conversation in one go i just felt that it was uh, that the first half of the conversation and the second half of the conversation did differ quite a nice amount and I didn't want to sort of have it as a part one, part two situation whereas some of the other podcasts I've done like the ones with Justina for example it was very much part one and part two due to the sort of the flow of the conversation and there not being such cemented sort of splittings between them um, sounds weird it'll make more sense when you listen to the next one maybe you won't agree with me if you don't let me know and as I said at the start of the podcast, um, Wayne has been a guest on two other episodes of Genuine Chit Chat, um, episode 16 called Be the Beacon of Hope, uh, where he spoke about um, his books as well as sort of the human condition, following your passions, good versus evil, that sort of thing. And episode 17, which is What is Paleontology, where Wayne gives like a general... I just basically talked to him about paleontology for an hour or so because obviously I'm not that knowledgeable about it. So I thought I'd just ask a few questions that came to mind. Anyway, guys... Thanks as always for tuning in. Just a reminder of the shout out for the Cloth Talk podcast. All the details and what are in the description. Hope you guys have a great week and well, I'll talk to you next week.